Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. I'm your host, Danny. And those of you that have been following this ministry for years, you probably, maybe, probably not, but possibly know this guy that I'm talking to here tonight. Well, I'm not talking to him yet. And actually, I just gave away a key word. I gave away the word tonight. It's it's nighttime, Gabe, isn't it? It is nighttime. I don't normally do interviews at nighttime, but for you... I'm apparently making an exception. I'm assuming kids are already laid down, tucked in bed. No, they're going crazy. Um, <laughs> okay. I've, I've locked myself away, so hopefully <laughs> we can make it through this. <laughs> we shall see. I've seen plenty of interviews where kids just start walking into the door and they just become part of the interview. You know, what did Jesus say? Let, allow the little kids to come unto me yeah. for is the kingdom of God. And so uh, this is not the kingdom of God, but you, you get the idea and the principle with that. But... So today we are talking about theology and leadership and how the two are intertwined together and how we can take theology and make it a part of our everyday leadership, whether we're in a position of leadership or whether we just have a realm of influence with friends, family, whatever the case is. And so I have a great friend of mine, Gabe, with me, and I'm not going to introduce you. You could just introduce, say a little bit about yourself, who you are, likes comments dislikes whatever and uh let the people know who you are and we'll get started after that yeah uh well my name's gabe um as you mentioned and um i uh am here because danny asked me to come here and um, talk on this subject <clears throat> i wouldn't say i'm a subject matter expert but i've been uh around the leadership um realm i guess for a long time uh pretty much my entire career has been in some form of, of leadership uh, i've recently well not recently i think it was last year but uh, i'm a certified uh, john maxwell leadership coach and uh, trainer and teacher so our speaker uh, so um yeah i'm just hoping that i can maybe provide some clarity on some things for people or uh you know somebody can listen to this and find some understanding that they didn't have before Amen. Amen. Impact. John Maxwell, huh? So how many hours of uh, curriculum did you get through with that leadership course? I'm still going through it. I mean, there's uh, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> of training. So it's um, it's a lot. And then I did a, I had to do a, a, a three day conference to get the Ooh. certification. So I was basically at a hotel conference for like 12 hours a day for three days in, in Orlando. So it's fun. Oh, that, yeah, I, I imagine that wasn't <laughs> bad, was it? No, I mean, <clears throat> not really. The, the food was probably the best food I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. um, it was like five-star restaurant food at the hotel. So, I mean, it was pretty easy. I, I listened to a bunch of really good people talking about leadership and the Bible a lot. And, mm -hmm. then, um, and then I got fed a lot of good food. And then we went to Disney Springs and got a like a half-pound cookie. So okay. that was also... Um, that kind of was just the icing on top, you know. I imagine, or the cookie on top, I guess. So, talk about or leadership. The on top, yeah. <laughs> Are those all leadership books in the background that you've read and in a um, Yeah, so I do have a whole shelf of nothing but leadership books that I've read. Um, that's not all of them. Mm -hmm. I have more digitally. And then the ones on the very top that are all stacked up and unorganized, those are just a bunch of Star Wars books. Um, so I have quite a few of those too. So if you want to do an interview about Star Wars next time, I'm I'm down. But I told you I don't know the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. I don't even know who does this. That's Spock. But yes, we can do a video on the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. 
<laughs> well, if we could find a way to put an apologetics twist on it, <laughs> maybe we can do that. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah, you spending your time here. <laughs> let's let's get into the first question, really. Uh, okay. So we're talking about leadership. <clears throat> and you mentioned John Maxwell in that they go through leadership principles and they talk a lot about the Bible in, in the midst of the course. What does the Bible say about leadership? So what's interesting to me is um, about that that question. The Bible actually says a lot about leadership that coincides with what even secular leadership experts uh, talk about. So, and the big thing for me, it, it's really, it's a really simple answer for me that took me like 10 years to come to. Um, but I'm going to quote John Maxwell here. And so his thing is leadership is influence. Mm. That's it. Um, and if you look at, I mean, even if you look at the life of Jesus, you can see like the basic definition of what leadership is, according to Jesus in the Bible, is influencing people, you know, through his life to get his people to follow him. He wasn't, you know, beating them over the head or demeaning them or forcing them to do things. Right. He was leading by example, sharing with them his beliefs, his values, mm -hmm. and then going out and doing what he said, and then through that influencing them. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I think the, the main characteristics of leadership uh, in the Bible is, you know, it's a, it's a version of, of love and kindness, but also accountability and responsibility, mm -hmm. and then relationship and results. Relationship and results. Mm -hmm. Could you unpack that a little bit, relationship and results? Yeah. So <clears throat> anytime you're trying to influence somebody uh, or you're trying to lead somebody, a group of people, mm -hmm. it's never just, hey, I, you know, you, you always are trying to move them to a point to a betterment of themselves, right? Okay. Um, so let's take like the church, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to disciple people. So the relationship part would be to build relationships with I mean, Christians and non-Christians, right? Okay. But specifically, if you're building relationships with non-Christians, you're wanting to influence them, bring them into church, you know, ultimately, hopefully, they can come to Christ. But it's not just that. We're not stopping at that. Um, and it's kind of where the accountability comes in, too, is once you are, once you say, hey, I am, I'm a Christian, I'm going to follow Christ, we don't just stop it there. We don't say, okay, that's good enough. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, you're done. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of that what we want to see is those people to grow and mature and to disciple mm -hmm. others and to bring other people in that maybe we can't reach. So that's kind of where the results thing comes in. Um, just to, for, for any leaders that are out here, maybe watching just to tie a metric into it. That's where the results come in. Cause I'm very metric and numbers minded. So. Okay. I said, I mean, you were like, so you must like a lot of the statistics and everything that we talk about research data. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, you talked a little bit about in the beginning how, you know, secular companies, if you will, they use biblical leadership principles and maybe unbeknownst to them, but really good leadership comes from the Bible, like what you were talking about and Jesus being the epitome of what that looks like. So would you say there's a difference between leadership in the workplace and leadership within christianity like a spiritual leadership is there a difference yes no what are your thoughts on that yeah so as far as what leadership is um i don't think there's a difference um mm -hmm. and depending on who you ask going to have different answers it's a matter of perspective you know so okay. if you're a non-christian then the leadership doesn't 
come from the authority of Christ or the authority of God, right? Mm -hmm. So, but for me, I mean, if you look at the leadership in the Bible and then the leadership that you're doing in the workplace, it's mm -hmm. all the same things. Um, and which is like, uh, I think this is another question down there, so I don't want to take all your questions away. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the qualities that, that you hear talking about in leadership now is having a servant spirit, caring mm -hmm. for people, um, thinking of others first. All of that stuff is biblical, but it's also what on the leadership front in the secular world mm -hmm. is what we're teaching. It's what we're saying. Even non-Christian leadership experts are saying, this is how you lead. This mm -hmm. is how you get a following. This is how you get your results for your company or your programs, whatever you're looking for. So I think often the only difference between the two would be location or topic. So you can have different topics that you're trying to lead on. And the topic may not necessarily be Christian, uh, like if I'm trying to lead some a group of people into become better managers at Chick-fil-A, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily a Christian thing, but the principles I use in leadership is still the same, regardless of who's saying it. Okay, so uh, they get it from. So the practice is essentially the same as far as principle is concerned. Right. Now, would uh, in, in in a secular workplace? Is there any way that someone could have a Christian leadership influence in a workplace that is anti-Christian? I mean, what are your thoughts? Is there a way to do it with flying under the radar type deal? What are your thoughts? Um, yes, I, I think there is. Um, I guess I'll use a personal example for that one. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know that I can't go on record and say UPS is anti-Christian. I can say my experience within the management system there, it was not a... Um, Christian-based leadership structure, okay. I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and as a disclaimer for that, if it's not, there's only one type of leadership. So if you're not following that, I would say you're not really a, a leader mm -hmm. um, or you don't understand what leadership is. But right. yeah, so um, UPS was a very uh, uh, lead by fear, try to get people to do by yelling, screaming, testing, oh. all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that was the opposite of kind of where I came from. I had worked at Chick-fil-A prior to that. And then I went to UPS with a different mindset on leadership. So I was actually able to work my way into the leadership and get a lot of, um, a lot of buy-in from my team and a lot of the, I guess, more motivation and, and build morale through the, my viewpoint on leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, I built a relationship with the union rep actually based huh. on, I mean, because he is, he was a Christian and I was a Christian mm -hmm. and he noticed the way that I was interacting with the people. So right. if you know anything about unions, it's typically very hard to get anything done from mm -hmm. a management standpoint um, because the union always comes to the rescue, right? Well, with him, I was actually able to, he would help me hold my own team accountable and not really baby them as much because of the relationship we had, because we had that in common where, we were both Christians. He was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's very, it's hard. It definitely is hard. There were times where, you know, I felt like I just wanted to kind of give up and just mm. talk to him the way that everyone else was talking to him because it was frustrating at first. But I mean, towards right. the end of my tenure there, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of people not wanting me to leave because my area worked so well and my mm -hmm. employees were so much different than the other areas and the other leaders. So, <clears throat> um, that's the long way of saying 
to answer that question, yes, I think you can do it in a in a non Christian environment. No, definitely. It's, I imagine it's got to be hard when you're in a workplace like that not to succumb to retaliating or vengeance or trying to just uh, go with the grain of the society and the culture of what you're in. You know, still trying to be that light of Christ. So there are some questions out there that are age old questions, you know, like the riddle or the Sphinx. Well, that wouldn't be age old per se, but the chicken or the egg, you know, which came first? What What are your thoughts first? Chicken or the egg? What came first? The chicken. Why? Well, because God, it says in the Bible that God made the animals. <laughs> and so it's a, I assume it's a full animal. There's nothing in the scripture that, that points me to think he made the egg first and then waited for it to hatch. And then there was the chicken. So. I like that. So. <laughs> Another age-old question. Leaders, are they born or are they made? Um, yes, leaders are born <laughs> because anybody can be a leader and all people are born. I, I see where you're so, going with that. Yeah. So, so, so all leaders are born. I was born, therefore I am a leader. Yeah. And, and what most people don't realize... Um, is everyone is leading something now whether you're doing it effectively or poorly is a different story but if you're if you know if you're not leading an organization then you know you may be leading your family if you're not leading your family then you're leading yourself if you're not leading yourself then you're just doomed like it's just so it, it but but at some point you're leading yourself either down a good path or a bad path or you're leading others um so yeah, I believe people are born with natural inclinations that, uh, or, or certain personality traits that make certain aspects of leadership easier to them, and they can t accomplish things that easier than other people can within the realm of leadership. But I mean, outside of Jesus, obviously, I don't believe anybody is born that is specifically like you are a leader. That's what you were born for. I think anybody has the capacity, mm -hmm. and it's just whether we choose to act on that or not and like i said it doesn't have to be this big amazing leadership you don't have to be a ceo even just right. leading yourself um you are considered a leader no i like i like how you pointed that out and the fact that even if you're not in a leadership position you're leading somebody because i always remember this poem i don't ask me any words of the poem because i forget it but basically <laughs> The the author is anonymous. All great ones are, except for Robert Frost. But uh, <laughs> in the poem, it goes through uh, a little girl, I guess, writing about her mom and says, you know, you didn't know I was watching, but I saw you do this when you didn't know I was watching, did this. And then at the very end, it says, thank you for t teaching me all the things you know, that I didn't, you didn't know I was watching or whatever the case is. So it really points to the fact of this passive influence that we have in that everybody's watching somebody and somebody is watching you not mm -hmm. to sound kind of creepy right now, but you know, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. Like, especially if you have kids, I mean, to, like that, that aspect of the leadership of uh, leadership became way more clear to me once I had children and I started like, you know, they're, they're growing up and, and like the things that I used to just kind of carelessly do right. that it wasn't really a big deal. And then I watched them do it and I can, I can see it. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want my kid doing that. And then I'm like, well, if I don't want my kid doing that, I shouldn't do that. And he learned it from me. So, <clears throat> you know, you have to be very conscientious of what you're doing at all times. I mean, even when you don't think anybody's watching you, there's somebody who's watching you that wants to follow you. That's kind of why it's, it's, it's really upsetting seeing all like, like uh, mainstream media and TV and actresses and, and mm -hmm. pop stars and things like that 
using this platform that they have mm-hmm. and not using it to be a positive influence, but like negatively impacting so many right. people because they have a great opportunity and then they just throw it down the drain for money or fame or whatever yeah. else it is that they need or that they want, not that they need. Sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to bring this up because you just walked into this one, mister. So <laughs> is the reason the fact that Alan keeps stealing all my Hot Wheels in my office because he saw you stealing cars before? Oh, no. He's just That's not why he does it? He's just a He's thief. He's just a thief, yes. <laughs> um, I blame his mother for that one, but don't tell her that. In fact, actually, you might want to edit this part out. No, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so, uh, no, yeah, I don't... Um, that's you try something to back we're working up now. With him on. Something we're yeah. working with him on. Um, might I'm thinking a, a little bit of time in, in the pen will solve that issue, but his mom says he's too young, so we can't do that. <laughs> That's funny. It, it, it's like hockey. Whenever there's a penalty in hockey, they put him in a penalty box, but another word for <laughs> that penalty box is called the sin bin. And so you just put him in the sin bin for a few there minutes. You go. <laughs> so... All right. So let me ask you this. You talked a little bit about personality. Some people are born just with natural personality traits that are conducive to certain types of leadership styles. What do you think are three top traits that make for a solid Christian leader? Yeah. So my three top traits um, would be having a serving spirit. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to be a, a, a great leader uh, in in any realm, but I mean, especially in the church, you have to be willing to serve and, um, and kind of put, make some sacrifices for, for the, for the people that you're leading. Um, the second one would have to be even, you have to be able to build relationships. I mean, there are, like I said, there are aspects where some people are better at things than others, but any effective leader, if you can't at least make an acquaintance or, or maintain a relationship with somebody, um, you're going to struggle to be able to lead and get a following. And then um, the third one is to be able to lead by example. So going out mm-hmm. and, you know, say whatever you say, like, that's what you live by. So if you, you right. say, hey, I, you shouldn't do this, you're not going out on Saturday night and doing exactly what you told them not to do on Sunday right. morning. Um, so those are, those would be my top three. Yeah, def- I mean, I, I think of Monk. Have you ever seen the show Monk? I have seen the show Monk, yes. You remember Monk's brother? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Adrian, right? No, well, his brother Adrian was, you know, the normal character, Adrian Monk, but he had a brother. Oh, 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 he got gotcha. I, I forget his name, but the guy never leaves his house yeah. ever. Yeah. And so when you talk about you have to be able to build relationships with people, well, number one, Adrian Monk really has a hard time doing that himself. But staying mm-hmm. as a hermit or a monk or a recluse like his brother, I imagine that'd be very difficult also to do that but another thing you mentioned was that third point as far as lead by example i can remember being in the military and like we'd be required to be at formation whether five six in the morning whatever the case is and we'd be required to be there because our commander but guess who wasn't there the commander of course you know and and now we're all out there you know uh frustrated and angry and and old commander person mm-hmm. sleeping in his bed drinking his coffee whatever he's doing so now definitely so apart from jesus christ okay you do you like when i start a sentence like that apart from jesus christ um i don't dislike it i guess <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well let me finish that then okay. uh, 
apart from Jesus Christ, who would you say, because you're a numbers guy, you like stats, you like analysis, right. things like that. So right. we're going to keep with numbers. Who do you think are uh, your top five? I'm not going to say characters because this isn't a fictional story. I really don't like wow. the term characters, but who yep. are your top five people in the Bible that you think were great leaders and why? So I have a list. Um, it's not necessarily in any kind of order as far as any, either one's better than the other. Okay. And it's, it's, I think it's difficult to pick just five or to say that they are the top five because it's really a matter of perspective. We could do 50 the, if you want. Well, well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm going to give you the ones that, you know, I, I guess have not want to say enjoyed reading the most, but the ones that I, I kind of. You resonate with. The most. Yeah, resonate with most. Uh -huh. um, and I'm going to give you six because. Uh, I had another one that I wanted to add on. Oh, you're a one-upper. Um, you're a Mr. Me a too, aren't Yeah, you? yeah. I, I want to give you six. So uh, the first one is um, I kind of early in my leadership career and the development, the one I had a pastor preach a sermon in the book of Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of one of been one of my top five. I've, I've really, I really liked, I guess the, it was very plainly laid out. Like you can get a lot of leadership examples from there um and i kind of have a bullet point list of, of of all the different kind of qualities or um just things in leadership that they all have in common yeah. um so so with nehemiah uh he the first thing that popped out to me was he had courage right uh, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I, I think and that's one of the biggest things on all these lists is is, is courage because leadership takes courage you have to be willing to do things that nobody else wants to do um and you can't let fear uh get get in front of you so they had courage to go and ask the king to to allow him to go leave go to jerusalem uh, you know leave his post and then rebuild the wall and so what was great about that was um he was so he was good at getting buy-in he was able to get buy-in from the, the king and not only did he get to leave and go do it but he got resources um mm. to take with him so and then when he got there, he was able to cast vision um, for the, uh, a lot of people, get mm -hmm. the buy-in of the Israelites to, to rebuild it, even when, um, you know, there was a lot of negatives and there was a lot of reasons for people to stop and abandon it. And they had you know, right. enemies all around not wanting them to build the wall. I think mm -hmm. there was even times where some people were like, you know, they're just going to come tear it down again. Mm -hmm. um, so, but he was able to to rally them. Um, and so uh, some of the, some of the key things that I related to that with, as far as like my working life um, and just life in general, you know, courage, being able to cast vision, uh, critical thinking and analyzing, oh. being able to think, you know, what do we need to do? How do we need to get it done? Yeah. Um, so that organization, encouraging people to continue on and then being a servant, that servant spirit. Mm -hmm. he, he wasn't just like, Hey, you guys build this wall. I'm going to go sip on my, I guess they didn't have what did they drink for caffeine back then they didn't have coffee coffee, coffee is the coffee gift is of god the gift of god okay so he sat down drinking his coffee and you know eating a leg of lamb right no he was in the mix with them and the thing i liked about nehemiah too is it wasn't just um it's not just some like cushy story where it's just like oh he was a great inspiring leader and everyone thought like no there were difficulties in it yeah. and he even had some hard conversations with people um almost to the point where i mean if he was in leadership now somewhere people would probably think he's a mean person and get they would get their feelings hurt but right. that's a different uh video um so my second one was paul obviously i had to pick paul you had to um 
I had to pick Paul. Okay. Paul's really a big image of one courage because of, you know, he used to be persecuting the church. It takes courage to go from that to now trying to go into the church and talk to them about God. Yeah. When people are going to be looking at you like, no, you, you did this before, right. so why are we going to listen to you now? Um, and so it's a good picture of growth, personal growth. Paul has a lot of um, leading self in his story to me. So uh, self-accountability, that was a big one with Paul is where yeah. he realized, you know, he calls himself the chief of sinners, right? He, he, he looked at himself and he said, you know, I've done all this. This is what I've done. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move past mm-hmm. this. He learned lessons from his past. Um, right. He was a servant as well. And then he had a lot of passion for what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the big thing with leadership. I mean, whatever you're saying, you have to be passionate about it because mm-hmm. people are not going to believe you if you don't believe yourself. If you don't have yeah, passion, if you don't believe it yourself, passion. they're not going to believe yeah. you. And, and you may think you can fool people, but it's really, uh, it's really amazing what people can pick out from you mm. if you're not genuine. Yeah. Um, the third one I picked was Deborah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And again, is it because Deborah, of the tent have... incident? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, no, I just, um, I like the story of Deborah because it was very inspiring because um, she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And back then, women were treated way differently than right. they are now. And so to be able to do the things that Deborah did uh, to, influence others and impact others it took a lot of courage so there you go there's courage again spoiler alert every one of these has courage Uh, um but she was able to gain respect from the people uh and then she was able to she was thinking of others first she was able to rally uh, get a vision together Mm -hmm. and cast that vision and then um not only did she you know cast the vision and send people into battle she went with them she didn't just say go fight my wars for me you know um, so there's that servant spirit again, and, and just being in the mix with your people. Hmm. Uh, David, story of David and Goliath, that one's yeah. one of the more popular ones. Um, courage, servant, he served his people. Mm-hmm. He was able to see an opportunity, not an obstacle. Ooh, um, I like that. So that's he, that's so, a clip right there. I like that. So, so if you think about Goliath, everyone's trembling in fear and they just see this big nine foot tall giant in front of them. And they're like, yeah. we can't get past this guy. And, and David saw that as not an obstacle that standing in front of Israel, but an op- or, but an opportunity to prove that God can do anything. Right. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing about the David story is that it, it's very good for the individual as far as like uh, people who struggle with um, a lot of fear and, and, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not big enough to mm-hmm. do this. David completely uh, disproved that. Um, and then his thing too, it's always about a matter of perspective. He has a different perspective than, than other people. Mm-hmm. And most of your efficient and, and good leaders do perceive things differently. And that's why they're mm-hmm. able to think ahead of the curve. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fifth one, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, yep. And, and then, uh, and I really, uh, shout out to you because um we when we first started going to the church we did the daniel series so that was uh, that was a really good series and, and you know daniel took a lot of courage um he had a lot of commitment to what he was his, his belief was and a lot of times in leadership you have to stand alone like even i mean it takes time to build buy-in sometimes and if you're always going back on your commitments or the things that you believe in you're not gonna you're not gonna influence anybody right, right. um daniel also led by example so he said hey this is what i'm gonna do 
he went out and did it. And I mean, he was arrested for it and throwing the lions in, but because of leading by his integrity and being able to lead by example, he did get the buy-in of the king to end the rule that the king had had set up. So, um, and then my last one, the, the, the bonus, uh, leader is, um, Esther and that one as well is, is really big on, you know, courage, sacrifice, um, servant heart and, and thinking others first, uh, any, anytime you're willing to potentially lose your own life for the sake of your people, I would consider that to be a very courageous act. Um, so there's, there's loads of other examples in the Bible, but those are my top six that I thought of when you, I looked at this question. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, there, there are some uh, surprise ones that I, I was not expecting personally. I mean, I know they're definitely influential. They're, they're not some of the more popular names, you know, like Deborah or uh, <clears throat> I know Nehemiah is pretty much a picture of a uh, leader, if you will. But most so they, people it's think a good of, picture of workplace leadership to me. That's what I've, yeah. I've used that at work before. Um, uh, of, and I've, I've, I haven't never published anything, but I was working at one point on like a leadership class based off of the book of Nehemiah because it's a very, uh, a very hands-on like get the job done type type of uh, book. Right. Well, uh, you may have just walked into something with that last comment. <laughs> so. You just got to make a note about something real quick. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, but <laughs> no, definitely. I, I definitely appreciate that. You know, people who think of Moses, Joseph, you know, people like that. I, I like the fact that you pulled some other people out, especially, you know, shout out to to the women as well, because a lot of times right. people only think of the men as leaders. But mm-hmm. now whether, whether you got Ruth, whether you got Esther, whether you got Deborah, you got Rahab and you got so yeah. many people. Rahab so, almost made the list. Why didn't she? Because it would have been seven, and I thought seven was too much more than five. But isn't seven so. the number of completion? Okay, fair point. <laughs> but so, God created in <laughs> six days. Yes, so. that's true. He did, I, and he rested on the sun. So. And there but, you go, um, so you had to rest. <laughs> I had to rest my brain. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I specifically, I like to pull out the the women, too, because especially in the climate today, um, where we're kind of moving from what men and women are and, and are supposed to be and to, uh, you know, there's this over, trying to think of an ele- a nice way of putting it, but basically people like to, to talk about the Bible and, and dismiss the Bible based off of how they treated the women. I was like, women didn't have rights, they didn't oh. care about women. Um, that's something I've heard a lot about from people who aren't Christians. Um, and to kind of move like the, the feminist movement and things like that, oh, right. um, where it's just like, if you read the Bible, plenty of women in the Bible that were utilized, even right. d- despite their difficulties that they had and despite the laws of that time. So mm-hmm. I think it helps women today to see with the freedom they do have and the rights they do have in the United States mm-hmm. um, that, I mean, you can, you can accomplish anything you want it doesn't doesn't have to be it's not like it was back then and so right. i think it helps to kind of i like to get in those debates with people a lot but 
because awesome. it, it's uh, I do too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just somebody says something, I'm like, well, actually, did you know? <laughs> I've heard you say that before too. <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk all this stuff about leadership, we talk a little bit about the Bible. We talk a little bit about your six, uh, you know, people in the Bible, you know, that really affected you and resonate with you. So I want to transition a little bit now into the realm of theology before we really take these next steps. And I know theology is one of those words for like leadership that people have various definitions of. What is your definition of theology? My definition of theology has always been study of the scripture. I mean, it's not really, I've never really thought too much deeper about it than that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I would say. Theology is, is studying the scriptures and the scripture okay. being the Bible, not other scriptures. Not like the New World Translation over there? No, no, no. Not like that one or the, or the Book, of Mormon? Book of Mormon. Yeah, no, not that one. What no, about just, the Mason's Masonry book? over there no no not that. just 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 christian the, science? The, the holy bible the word of god not christian science either not not christian science no what about mm -hmm. the bhagavad gata from hinduism mm -mm, mm -mm. No. i can't pronounce that one so if i can't pronounce I, it then it's not part of scripture i can't either but people <laughs> probably think i said it right so probably. I, mean, I would assume that you said it right yes see but. exactly yep so but Theology, okay. Now that we got your base definition and explanation, what role does that play within leadership? So, I mean, I think it's like um, any other. Well, it's not like any other topic, but it's like it's like the topic. Like, if, if you're trying to lead someone on a specific topic, the more knowledgeable and competent you are on that topic, the more likely you are to get a following or to get the buy-in from the people. So, I think the same thing applies to theology. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're specifically trying to be lead someone in the aspect of the, the church, the Bible, um, theology, you need to be well-versed in it. You need to know what you're talking about. And if you don't, I mean, you don't have to know, memorize the whole Bible. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think I know anyone who's ever memorized every single word of the Bible mm -hmm. and can recite it to me, but, um, you need to, you need to study it before you go out and, and try to give a long speech on it or get somebody to take what you're saying as truth because if you don't know it like this, if you don't know what you're talking about people are gonna snuff you out i mean it's just mm -hmm. you can only fake it for so long <laughs> fake so, it till you make it yeah fake it till you make it um and well if you see all the fake it till you make it people always end up into some kind of controversy whether it be 10 20 30 years down the road yeah. something always comes out right um and so even the people who don't fake it till you make it even the people who are actually genuine there's still controversy with them too so if you're going to get in controversy you might as well be genuine about what you're talking about that's true because those fake it then we fake it till you make it actually fake it till they break it type deal you know <laughs> but uh okay so you got to know scripture what it says to go ahead and be a good christian leadership especially when like you said earlier trying to disciple people grow people to become more like christ so we got to know okay areas of finance areas of idolatry stuff like this what does god say about it and how do we apply those principles do you think somebody can be a good leader without knowing scripture or a good spiritual leader without knowing scripture? Um, I think that, yes, there's, well, there's, there's, I guess there's two answers to have to this. I think, okay. yes, there, there are people who can indirectly have an impact on someone spiritually 
without knowing the scriptures. Um, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying as far as like even in the secular world, the leadership principles that we're teaching are in line with what the Bible says. So if you, I mean, you know, God can use anybody for anything, right? Um, for example, Rahab, how she almost made it. I mean, she was a, a, a prostitute, I believe. Mm -hmm. But yep. so she wasn't, God used her to um, further his, his, uh, his plan. So right. yeah, I think if you're, you can have an impact on uh, people indirectly by teaching good values that are found in the scriptures. And that may actually lead someone to come to know Christ or further to the scriptures. Um, and the second way that I see that playing out is um, new believers. Okay. So um, you've got someone who just got saved. I mean, they, they, they're green. They have no idea what's going on mm -hmm. with most of the Bible, but they know the gospel. And mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, you don't have to know all the nitty gritty aspects of the Bible in order to gain eternal life. So um, a lot of the times you see with those new believers is a, when they first come to Christ, it's a big, it's a passion for, for going out and, and sharing. They want the yeah. thing to happen to them to have to happen to everyone else. Mm. Um, and so they have a, I think a better advantage on reaching other non-believers a lot of the time than a tenured Christian who's, you know, been in service for like 30 years mm -hmm. because they don't they're a little more disconnected so you can have a you don't have to know everything about the scripture and you can still go out and share the gospel and impact and influence somebody based off of your personal stories as what it's done for you so far okay no i i definitely you know like and appreciate that answer and that explanation because like you like you said before to really disciple and grow somebody, you should know the area that you're trying to grow them in biblically. But just because somebody does not know scripture, especially as a new believer, they can still lead people by their conduct, mm -hmm. their character, their actions, things like that. And hopefully we can get to that other aspect of getting into scripture and, and really finding someone to disciple to get them to where they are currently. And uh, so, no, I like that. And how you brought up Rahab, you know, she was not a believer at that time. She ended up becoming a believer uh, believing in, you know, the God of the Israelites and his protection. And I believe that's probably the moment when she got saved, if you will. And then she had an impact, a leadership influence with those around because her family was brought into her house and spared during the Jer Jericho destruction. So you alluded to it before talking about the leaders that, that end up falling. So why do you believe so many leaders within the Christian church and community pastors, why do you think they're falling at an alarming rate with immorality, unethical behavior, conduct? Uh, what's going on? What are your thoughts? Well, I think the biggest thing with that, as far as leadership is um, when you're, when you're put in a position of leadership, you're typically placed above someone in terms of you know you're in you're not like better than them but you're kind of over them and mm -hmm. as far as like managerial things or or teaching or discipling and things like that so mm -hmm. um i think the biggest thing that i see is the risk for um arrogance and pride and and selfishness to kind of seep in is mm -hmm. way higher once you start trying to lead other people and it's there when you're just leading yourself but when you right. start trying to lead other people and you kind of get that thought in your head of uh you know oh i'm people are following me i'm the authority i can mm -hmm. kind of do whatever i want um 
And then once you start thinking like that, once you're only focusing on yourself and what you can get out of the relationship um, or, or uh, even with a lot of pastors, you know, I, I think I've never, I haven't talked to any pastors that have had this issue, but I think a lot of times they can get to the point where like, you know, you're charged with teaching this, the word of God to a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, sometimes you can come out and be like, you know, I am, I am a very important person. I'm probably the most important person because God has tasked me personally with teaching his word. And then it right. kind of becomes a, what I say is law type of thing. And then once you let that, those types of arrogance, pride, selfishness, uh, all those things fill in your, your struggles that you would normally struggle with um, as far as like immorality and things like that, it's much easier for those to push through. Mm-hmm. And then when you're only focused on yourself, you're not so much worried even about what God is saying, right. just, that you're getting the recognition that you want mm-hmm. um, for being in a, this amazing leader. Everyone loves you and you can still have, so, and it's almost like I can have this, all the, the, the worldly things that I want. And I can also have the Bible the way I want it to. Right. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing and money. I'll throw money in there. Money's a real big thing. Yeah. Once you start getting, you know, millions of dollars that, that really seems to corrupt a lot of people in ministry. Definitely. It makes me think of the, the trifecta, if you will, with money, power, and and women. You know, I would put, mm-hmm. you know, possibly women. We saw the fall with what was it? Hill, was it Hill Song? Whatever, Carl okay. Lentz or whatever. And then the others, yeah, and then on. the Matt Chandler incident, where maybe there was just a little bit of flirtation going on, and he had to take a leave of absence. So, okay, and I totally agree with you as far as pride, and 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 it's not really just only in the pulpit, but like you said, it's anybody in some sort of authority position, no matter how much. And then once that power gets to your head, you can think that you've made it and everybody looks at you because you are this, this authority figure. So how can we prevent ourselves from falling into that trap and becoming one of those statistics? Yes. I think, I mean, the first thing to do is study the scripture, stay in the Bible and then continuously try to improve your relationship with God um it's not saying that you're not going to have issues obviously we're all sinful we're all going to do something wrong at some point in our life um multiple times until we die there's no one that's ever going to be perfect um so staying in scripture uh building risk but but being intentional i think about the situations you put yourself in and and the and the people that you're i guess that you're hanging around i know a lot of people you know, start out, it starts out with, you know, I'm just going here to this place to hang out with these certain people because I want to reach them. But mm-hmm. if you're the only one there, there's no one else to hold you accountable. It can be difficult mm. to, I guess, not start slowly getting involved in, in the things that you're trying to quote unquote, save them from, you know? Right. Yeah. And so not that we can save people, but you, you, you had good intentions at first, and then you kind of slow see yourself um, falling into the habit that everyone else is. So being very yeah. intentional about that. I mean, I'm not saying don't hang out with non-believers or people that you want to reach. Mm-hmm. Don't do it every day. Don't do it, you know, even the majority of the time. Every so often is okay. Um, because if you never hang out with them, you're never going to reach anybody or if you never talk to them. But That's true, yeah. So being intentional about that. And then um, I think like using your failures um, a lot of self-reflection and using your failures as lessons. So the good thing about failures is that they give us the opportunity to look at ourselves and, and find a path forward. And a lot of people look at 
failures as a setback like oh i failed this i felt at this i'm i'm just not good enough I, mm-hmm. and they'll give up like oh the bible says don't do this but then i went and did it i just mm-hmm. i can't keep up with the bible you know and then they'll give up on it but right. if you and this was a hard thing for me for a long time and i still struggle with the the, the fear of failure aspect and it kind of i had a period in my life where I had been fired from a job and that really kind of turned that turning point I used to not even think about consequences and then I went to I only thought about consequences so it took a while to get to the point where I can say that you know failures are not always a bad thing Um, consistent failures yes where Mm. you're just not trying and you're just you just stay in that one loop but um no one ever succeeds or success never comes without failure. So mm. if, if you want to do something, then you've got to take a risk and you've got to try it, right? If you want to get better or grow, then you've got to try things. Not every growth plan you have for yourself, whether it be non-biblical or growth plans in the Bible, not, not every plan you have to read the Bible is going to work. Not right. every Bible study you go to, you're going to stick with or, or get something out of because it might not be the right format for you. So looking at that and saying, okay, that didn't work. Let me adjust rather than it didn't work. So I'm not going to do it anymore. So taking the opportunity to learn from your failures and grow, I think is the biggest thing that a lot of people falter on. Because you can, it's easy to learn from the the failures that we can see other people do. Because you should be like, oh, that guy did that. I'm just not going to do that. But it's much harder to look at yourself and hold yourself accountable because there's no one else holding you accountable for the things you think and the things that you Mm. have internally than you you and God. So, and that's why it's important to have that close relationship with God. Yep. You know, it made me think, I think it was Thomas Edison. I forget what number he used, but I think it was Thomas Edison that said uh, whether when it was, he was trying to do the light bulb, he was like, I didn't fail a hundred times. I just found a hundred ways it didn't work. Yeah, exactly. every everything's everything's an opportunity so just a little insight uh for chick-fil-a here um chick-fil-a's leadership structure elevated language right Mm. you want we always coach elevated language and how we're talking because the way that you say things are going to affect the way that you think Mm. so if you like you said thomas says that i didn't fail a hundred times i just found a hundred ways that didn't work right and right. He, he succeeded so mm-hmm. he is he had the mentality of no this isn't failures this just didn't this just is not how you make a light bulb so i'll go right. to the next thing mm-hmm. um and so that's kind of looking at things not as um obstacles but opportunities anytime mm-hmm. you have a uh instance in your life where you're struggling with something that's not it's not an issue in your life it's an opportunity for growth mm-hmm. or it's a um yeah, it's a chance that you have to move forward. Um, I really like, I think John Maxwell said this, but uh, failing forward. That's yep. something at that conference that he really talked about a lot. And that was one of the things that really helped me with my issues of the failure aspect and not wanting to fail on things because I was you know, worried about losing right. my job, not being, again, losing my job again, not being able to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. But that failing forward aspect is like, that's when it clicked. I was like, okay, Yes, I'm going to fail. Everyone's going to fail. No. But it's how you, what you do with it. Do you take it as a setback and get frustrated and upset? Or do you take it as an opportunity to learn and move forward and get better? Right, definitely. No, I appreciate those wise words, man. Uh, 
any final thoughts, words, comments uh, as we wrap this interview up? Anything you want to say to anybody else that's still watching, listening, whatever the case is? Yeah, no, I mean, I hope that um, this has been some help for some people. Um, this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about. So I hope that kind of came through in the interview. And, uh, you know, I'm still learning myself. You know, I, I think I mentioned before, I'm a, I got certified through the John Maxwell, the Maxwell leadership team. I'm sorry, uh, they changed their name, but the Maxwell mm -hmm. leadership team and uh, to, to be a, a coach, trainer and speaker, but it's never ending. I mean, leadership is a ongoing process. You're never going to be, there's only one perfect leader that ever existed. And that was Jesus Christ, right? So the only thing we can do is hope to be even a fraction of the leader that he was. And it's, I mean, from the day you are born to the day you die, it's, a growth. And so yeah. I would just encourage people, if anybody's, you know, kind of in leadership or even with leading themselves and they're struggling to just focus on the continuous improvement, um, you know, mm -hmm. study your Bible, uh, read what the Bible has to say. If, if you want help with leadership and the Bible, the, the John Maxwell leadership Bible, oh, hmm. there you go. Yeah. this yep. is a shameless plug for um, the organization. Um, get that. It has a lot of, um, a lot of good stuff to where it relates leadership within his 21 laws of leadership and things like that to the, the biblical, um, like the biblical leaders that even the ones that we talked about today. Right. So um, yeah, just stick with it and just, just know you're going to have to make some sacrifices, but nothing worth doing um, is, easy. is ever, is, is ever easy. Yeah. It's yeah. always, it's always an uphill climb, but once you make it to the top, it's very refreshing and then you get to start all over again so <laughs> start all over again. yeah you make it to the top of the mountain just to find there's another mountain <laughs> but it's so it's so rewarding especially for for me and and being able to now to the point where i can talk to other people and kind of pour into younger leaders the way that i was developed um it's it's a very rewarding thing um to be able to see them grow and develop and, and find opportunities, even if, you know, I only know them for a month or a year. Yeah. And, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's always best when uh, true Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, you know, he said he always found that he, uh, he found more meaning in things. And this is a, a rough remembrance of the quote, but mm -hmm. when, um, when he didn't expect anything in return, right. Mm -hmm. So um, whenever he's serving people and he didn't expect anything in return, he always got more fulfillment from that. Than when he was doing something just to get something out of it um and if you don't believe me try it and see what happens <laughs> amen definitely definitely well i appreciate you spending time with us here this evening yes this evening uh we haven't heard your kids uh we haven't heard your wife throwing stuff or yelling at them one huh? of them knocked one of them knocked and uh <laughs> it was it was and then um i heard somebody say something and then he was like but i'm just trying to and then their voices kind of faded away so they tried. <laughs> you should have let him in. That would have been fun. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, appreciate the time for anybody still here. Don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, blah, 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 blah. Until next time, God bless.